This is the Introvert's Bubble with Anang of Courageous Creativity, telling introvert stories, pushing ourselves to have more adventures and misadventures and to grow. Living life how we need it. As always, rating the podcast on any apps to listen to is always appreciated. This is solo traveling, I guess it would be 103, which is kind of funny. I didn't realize that I've actually been doing several series of this because it just kind of pops up when I have ideas pretty much after I take a trip. Um, I will try to remember to tag him in the show notes, the other solo traveling episodes, well, not anybody's traveling ones, because some of those have some good nuggets in them too. This one kind of came up more because this was my first long solo traveling trip that was abroad in a non-English speaking dominant country. Like I went to South Korea for 16 days. And I honestly, I loved it. I've always wanted to go there. Well, not always, always, but like, it's been like on my list for a good decade. I've, I've really wanted to hit a lot more Asian countries right now because it's, it's available. I have the time, I have the space kind of thing. And like people really should not be afraid to go solo on these things because you can still have a great time. So my first thing to work on is decision fatigue. I always tell people plan things out because there's a way. There are a lot of ways to get your tickets early. Um, kind of at least have a loose plan of what do you want to do for most of the days, but leave it loose enough so if you have. Uh, you can figure out kind of like, okay, if the weather's not going to be great for this day, you can switch it to the next day and like switch a thing, couple things back and forth. Or if you find something else that's like, oh, that's really cool. Maybe um, I'm going to switch that there because that's like, I had a time where I was there over, um, oh my God, their Thanksgiving. I completely forgot the word. I'll, I'll remember later. <laughs> and a good chunk of the regular stuff was closed, but a lot of tourist stuff was open. So I'm like, oh, well, I didn't realize that. So I'll just, I'll switch the day I went to one of the palaces to this day because they're not open. There we go. And then, then I went to the museum on a different day because it was, a, it was like a, practically a four-day weekend for them doing it. But I planned this stuff out so I had tickets early. I didn't have, I knew a general idea of like what neighborhoods were. So if I decided to go somewhere, I'm like, and if I, like sometimes for me, I overestimate how long it's going to take me to do things just because I want to make sure I don't rush myself and that I'm not just tiring myself out. But I give myself ideas of other things to do in those places that if I have the time, I can go there. Or if I find more things I want to do there, I can come back. And then I still have like enough stuff to do in places instead of like, oh, I found one thing. I'm done by like in an hour. But also when it comes to, to the decision fatigue is ideas on like where to eat. Um, ideas on places to go for other entertainment. Um things to do in your hotel room if you're like tired but you don't want to like just go there and go to sleep you want to be able to just rest but you still kind of want to be entertained like that having that bit of fatigue because the thing is when you're by yourself you're making every single decision like I made sure I I prefer to have my hotel have breakfast I only eat breakfast there that's literally it. unless I get unless I know people around and they want to meet up for like coffee in the morning or a specific place for breakfast but that's someone else bringing that up and partially making the plans. Other than that, that's what I do. Because with every you doing everything, you're going to get tired 
of the decisions. You want to make sure you have like tours. Like I know there's uh, I had tours that maybe only been half days, full days. I made sure I had a couple of those spewed in, but I spread them out because I didn't want to have to worry about transportation. Literally, a person's coming. You're here. Here's the ticket. Get in. You have two hours. Come back here. You're done. Like perfect. I literally put an alarm on 30 minutes beforehand to remind me so I can make my way back, get the next thing, go to the next place. Here's your lunch. Here's your next thing. Like that was great to have, especially when I had like days just before then of I did everything by myself. I'm like, okay, well, this didn't work. So let's go here. And so just you're literally going through and rearranging stuff because things didn't work out the way you thought it did and everything else, which is perfectly fine because that's part of the fun of traveling. But it gets tiring on your brain. The second thing is, is planning ways to talk to people. Because at some point, you're going to want to talk to people. Especially when you're in a country that doesn't predominantly speak English. Part of that thing was, have tours. Have people who speak English. Like, I specifically made sure I had a couple tours that I knew the people spoke good English. Like, I haven't, uh, I have a Korean tutor. We met up. So we can talk and just hang out. And she learned a little bit of English. I learned a little more Korean. We just did some fun stuff. I did a food tour. And the guy spoke perfect English. Like he grew up most of his life in, uh, I think he said Chicago. And then um, was in Korea back and forth. But he lives there now and he does food tours. That was great because then I had other, um, like a couple Americans, people, people that spoke decent English. And so that was like a, a whole afternoon, evening that I got to hang out with people and talk. I'd have to make any decisions and I got to talk to people. Uh, same thing with some of the tours. I got lucky that each, each tour that I went to, um, everyone else uh, canceled like last minute. But because it was last minute, they still technically had to pay. I was pretty much on the tour by myself. It was like, I felt a little bougie because I'm like, ooh, it's like private. But they, they were able to talk. To me, I got to do what I wanted. So that really helped with that too. Like you kind of, you want to be able to have uh, other options. I mean, there's Facebook groups out there for like expats or people who travel. Like there's ways to find people online to find other people to talk. Um, funny enough, I actually had a couple of times where I had school kids, like mostly high school, come up to me to practice their English. And they actually had some schools actually have students go out to practice, like the um, Myeongdong is a very popular shopping area in Seoul, and that's where that's where it first happened to me. And it was, it was funny because yeah, some of them they were in their, their their school uniforms and just asking some certain questions. They were just practicing. Um, one of them was really trying to like work on her like compound sentences of like however and I like this, but not that, and stuff like that. And it was. Honestly, it was really cute, and I'm I'm glad to help with that. I, it didn't bother me because I felt <laughs> honestly I felt because like they they were okay with it because I was a woman by myself that they didn't feel as weird about it, I guess. And then I didn't look like old, old, but I didn't look extremely young. And the third thing, um, when it comes to solo traveling, is that learn some of the language and cultural norms before you go. Like, we've all heard the things where, like, there's certain hand gestures you don't do because it's considered rude. 
Like in Asian cultures, you don't walk in someone's house with your shoes on. Uh, for me, like if I've been to Laos and Thailand, like you cannot go into temples with like short shorts or your shoulders covering. So a lot of times I, I always make sure I have like a like um, two long scarves with me and then I can I can wrap one around my waist because it goes below my knees or I just wear I wear like shorts that are longer and I wear like a jacket or I wear a, a scarf that goes around my shoulders um other things is like bowing is very important like knowing the certain words like thank you hello how much is this where is um, nicely with Korea, there's a, there's a lot of really good apps out there for translations. Um, honestly, from where, everywhere I went, like, if you speak the language, especially when it comes to, like, Asian countries, they're very appreciative that you try the language. Like, the thing is, like, they, they feel the respect of it. And respect's very, very important there. Like, especially when it comes to, um, people that are older and everything else. Like, I understood that a lot of older people really don't like tattoos. Like, it's still a pretty new thing to be mainstream in Korea for people to have tattoos, and especially women. That if I went, if I was going places that were more traditional, um, more older people were going to be around, I covered up a little bit more just because I was going to be respectful. I knew I was going to see those people. I mean, I wore uh, traditional hanbok into one of the palaces because you get in for free, actually, if you wear one. And honestly, it was just fun. I love, I love participating in anything cultural everywhere I go. And they honestly found it. They loved it. They were all very happy about it because I was respectful about what I was wearing. I made sure I stepped, I kept away from people, partially because it's still COVID. There's no reason for me to like crowd anybody. But like one of the norms is, it's kind of like there are certain areas on the trains that's just for like elderly and people who are disabled or pregnant people. You don't sit there. Unless I was like really, really tired, I pretty much stood because it was just, I could do it. And it just, I wouldn't have, I didn't have the problem of being anyone's way or anything like that. So make sure you, you figure out like general things. Like I, I've had times where when I was in Italy, yeah, I just have note cards cause I'm not, I'm not great at Italian. So I had specific note cards so I can like show people kind of like if I couldn't just quite say it or my my tongue was just getting tied. I still had the option of still communicating with them and they can we can brokenly figure out what each person's saying. Like the, the, the biggest thing is just having the respect of where you are. Like there are certain places, yes, you're at the beach, but it's still like what is considered more the norm on what is appropriate for clothes. Like, with South Korea, they have no problems wearing mostly, like, short shorts, even for women. But, like, showing any ounce of, like, cleavage is kind of frowned upon. While you go to, like, Laos and Thailand, going around in a swimsuit by the beach, of course, is perfectly fine. But uh, a lot of times you go into, like, some of the villages, they still wear the longer skirts. Because that's just the norm for them. And so, like... Having extra clothes with you sometimes is just kind of a nice thing when it comes to knowing what the norms are. Um, I always make sure I, I wear at least a t-shirt when I go into a lot of these places because a lot of them have temples. A lot of them have just, that's a very respectful thing. Partially because when, I don't know enough people know, is that most monks are celibate. But they are not like 
priests or anything else where they don't you're not supposed to touch them it's literally kind of like i always try to tell people it's kind of the same thing as just constantly shoving alcohol and alcoholic because they shouldn't want to do that you shouldn't be tempting them in any way yes it's it's their responsibility and everything else but it's kind of just like a rude thing of like like don't be practically stripping yourself in front of them when they're trying to be celibate and that that's just kind of a, a different thing that's a little bit ruder so those are kind of my three my three main points when it comes to traveling alone for mostly non-English speaking countries. Like work on yourself when it comes to decision fatigue, plan ways for you to talk to people, and then learn language and cultural norms before you go, just so it's a sense of, a sense of respect. And believe me, you'll have so much more fun that way. You will enjoy yourself and you'll have better interactions with other people because you're one, you're prepared, but also you're just being more respectful. And it's it was, it's easier way to be respectful without like trying to find a way and less accidents happening. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for the links to the blog and my Patreon, where you can get more info, check out products. Hit me up on Instagram at the introverts bubble or courageous creativity.